This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Retty or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on you Reds! It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 61 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thanks. Come on it, lads. What did you do with your Saturday? Went and got some uh, Gothenburg kilometres under my belt, so I can barely walk today. <laughs> uh, I did the square root of nothing. It's um, it, It's what she would have wanted, I imagine. Likewise, yep, collected my kilometers and then, yep, just quietly mourned. <laughs> Joining us for the first time ever, it's the one and only Aberdeen Manny. Welcome to the show, Manny. How's it going? Cheers, Nebad Attack. Cheers for having me on. The pleasure is all ours. What did you do with your Saturday? Uh, well, obviously, I didn't get into football. I just sat about in the house in a bad mood because the football was on. It's absolutely fair enough. That was about it, really. In a week that Scott that saw Scott in a week that saw Scotland's reputation in Europe take another battering with Celtics fawning over a player that had just scudded them, the intimidating Tynecastle mass twirly failing to upset Istanbul and Sevco five zero eight eight taking a massive pumping in Amsterdam, a week that saw Ryan Jack show us that we were all wrong and that he could cut it on the biggest stage as he bagged an assist in the Champions League that saw that result in the Netherlands just proved to be one step too far for one Sevco fan. It is, due to circumstances, a slightly quieter week on the ABZFP as we look ahead to next Saturday's currently scheduled trip to Easter Road to face Hibs in the SPFL Premiership. And in the absence of a game to look back on, we hastily throw together and consider the ABZFP cult hero 11. But first... After the late cancellation of the past weekend's fixtures, the Dons are currently scheduled to be next in action on Saturday with our first trip to the capital this season to face Hibs at Easter Road. Hibs currently sit in eighth in the table, two, pint, two, pints, two points behind the Dons with a played 6-1-2, drawn two, lost two records, scoring six and conceding six so far. Now, I think all of us on the call will agree Thank God for Hibs. Whenever we seem to be in a mess, uh, like last season, for example, Hibs come along to make it just seem that little bit more bearable. New manager Lee Johnson not having an easy start to life in Leith, knocked out of the League Cup at the group stage, not helped by the administrative error, seeing suspended Rocky Bashuri taking to the field against Morton. Another busy window at Hibs. They've offloaded 15 players up to the closure of the window, either through sales or loans. They've brought in 13, which includes the return of Martin Boyle after his Saudi excursion 
ended early. Wins against St. Johnston and a 1-0 win over Kilmarnock last time out. Bookend draws with Hearts and Sevco defeats on the road to Livingston and St. Mirren. Top scorers, Josh Campbell, Martin Boyle, both on two goals. Now, Johnson appears to favour a typical 4-2-3-1 this season. Certainly doesn't appear to be your typical swashbuckling attack-focused hips, though. Currently sixth in the standings for shots on target per match. Eighth in the table for big chances created and seventh in the table for average goals per match, which is just one. Third in the standings for average possession per game, standing at the 60.1% mark, just behind Celtic and Rangers. It's fair to say they've tightened up defensively this season. Second in the standings for goals conceded per match, just the one not giving up a lot of opportunities for opposing sides. Third in the standings in the crime count, 18 yellows, but amazingly for a side containing Ryan Porteous, no red cards so far this season. Looking strong at set pieces, a set play XG of 2.14, the second highest in the league. Their open play XG sitting at 4.9, seeing them seventh in the table. Defensively looking okay as well in terms of set play, six in the standings with an expected goals against that set plays of just 1.33, which is half or nearly half of Aberdeen's 2.23. In terms of style of play, Hibs looking to get the ball moved up the park swiftly. They sit top of the standings in terms of direct speed. On average, they move the ball 2.14 metres per second. Joint second in the league for formulating direct attacks as well. So when they win the ball, they do attempt to make a beeline straight for the opposition goal. Zones of control, mirrors the possession stats. They've been pretty successful in dominating the pitch, only really giving up territory in the opposition goal now so far. I'll share the tweet with the graphic on that later on when goes out. And there we go. That's a lot of data, hashtag, a lot of all the fucking stats. Normally we'd get a chap on from Hibbs uh, chat to talk about it, but unfortunately he's not available this evening. So, gents. What do we expect next, next Saturday, our first trip to the capital this season against the hip side that you'd like to think, given the sh- shape they're in, that we should be looking at trying to take three points and really kickstart our season? I was about to say, yeah, we're going to scud them, but you've confused me with stats and terminology. Now I don't know if they're any good or any bad. What would you like to talk about, Graham? Come on, let's let's let's, let's go through the data. Come I on. mean, I was just going to say that all of that makes them sound like they're pretty good. This, does, is, yeah. this is this is the proof of why Sam Alder says all these kind of stats are just a load of bollocks. Well, yeah, that's pretty much what getting because all of that, I think, oh, maybe these guys aren't so bad. And I thought, hang on, I've seen them once or twice and they were shit. So I'm calling it now, nil-nil. <laughs> I I would say, um, well, obviously, what I went, surely we can go down there and give them a game. We really need to be taking something off them. They've had, I know this says only two points behind us, but I feel like there's more, there's more to an Aberdeen team. We haven't quite delivered our full potential. So I'm surely we're going to go down there and get the points on the board and get us get us motoring up the league. Manny, what's your thoughts? Uh, you've bamboozled me with the stats and I've got no idea if XG is, but... Uh, expected goals, expected well, goals. I'm still need the wiser, but... Uh, there we go. <laughs> I've seen it, I've seen it on the, on the Sky Sports and that, aye. Uh, so I reckon probably both teams are in the same sort of situation. New manager, loads of new players, nay fit they're going to be at the end of the season, you know, they're still developing. So it's a tough thing to call, but I reckon definitely we're gone there with three points in mind. Uh, And I think hopefully we'll get it if it gains ahead. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, certainly they've had a, I think they've had a very rough start with the league cup, obviously going out of that, uh, signing players. They didn't even want to sign through administrative errors, playing players that are suspended in league cup games through administrative errors, bit of a shambles all around really. um i would expect that we go down there it'll be tricky because Heaster road is traditionally quite a tricky place for us to go 
But um, as Manny would say there, as Graham said, I think we should go down there with a very positive mentality and try and take the game to them because I'm not sure if they'll be up, if they'll be willing to withstand us when we're at our, our peak attacking form. That's going to be the interesting part, though, because they are definitely looking a lot tighter um, at the back this season compared to what you would normally expect from Hibs. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see how we decide to to play down the road. I mean, they're kind of dominating possession in most games they're playing. Um, like I say, they're, they're sitting third in the standings on, on possession per game. So I, I'm expecting Hibs are going to want control of the ball, which is going to potentially really nullify our opportunities to, to really get at them potentially. So you, you have to wonder if it's potentially a game. We spoke to, we spoke about it in the preview for the for the Sevigal game that obviously never happened, but is a game again potentially where you're looking at somebody like Duke potentially getting a start? And as a bit of a... I, I can't see us having a lot of ball, for example, um, at Easter Road. I can see us having to give up a bit of territory. I can see us potentially having to play on the, on the, on the counter. That, to me, seems like an ideal opportunity for someone like Duke to come in at the starting lineup. I think so. Someone who's quite fast and powerful, and then they've got Ryan Porteous. I mean, surely that's a recipe for goals and or red cards. <laughs> so I think you're probably right. I was just looking through their, who they've actually played. And I guess there's a mixture of teams in there that probably like to have the ball and some that maybe like to see possession. So it's a little bit difficult to read if that's that about them. It's a dominant game. Is really the way the season's going to play it, or if it's just the fact that they've played a couple of teams that are quite happy to let the opposition have the ball generally. Um, I think the counter-attacking thing, that's probably fair enough. That might suit us because we've got, got some pace in the team now. And I think we were chatting last week, might be the time to get Duke in anyway. So I'm all on board for that. And let's just go down and go for the three points and none of this sort of sitting in and see how it goes. Let's just go and take the game to them and see how they react to that. I mean, Graham, you say Ryan Porteous, I raise you, Paul Hanlon. Oh, geez. I'm shuddering at the thought of Hibs fans having to watch that. Yeah. Some brutal defenders in there. Uh, Gary, you said they were third in standings for average possession. Where do Aberdeen sit? Uh, I want to say fourth, but if you give me a second, I'll I'll, I'll bring up that number in two seconds. I'm just cause I'd refuse to believe it can be significantly um, different there in a way that would imply that they will in fact take command of possession. Just naturally, I think we have enough about us to go down there and really impose ourselves on Hibs. Um, I guess Leighton Clarkson will be suspended for this game. He will be, yeah, off the back of um, accepting his two-game ban for his hatchet man performance in Dingwall. Off the back so, of Malky McClay whining like a fucking tool, you mean? I mean, I've seen I've seen some images, and um, your description of it is a little bit inaccurate. I think yeah, well, least. possibly. I think that was the drink talking um, <laughs> yes. thing all last week. I think probably. you may have had some red tinted glasses on. No pun intended. <laughs> um, so, in the event, I guess your logical option is to either bring Danny Pulvara in and um, you know congest the midfield try and gain control of that or like you say we bring a more attacking option like a Duke or a Shaden Morris and stretch the game which I think would be the option I'd prefer in answer to your question uh, Aberdeen are fourth in the standings for uh, average possession but we're a good 5% behind um, Hibs uh, we're 55.8% so it, there is a little bit in it I know what you're saying Graham about the, the teams they've played but I guess at the same time they've played Seth Kwan Hearts in that run as well and it could be one of these ones again where the, the Livy game possibly skews things. I'm just going to go and have it quickly try and look at that. Well, but. I was thinking Livy, they had a home game with Kilmarnock. So, barely those two skew it. Um, Kilmarnock game where they played a 10 men for about 80 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice one, Ash. Nice one. <laughs> so I feel it's maybe a little bit skewed, but then I don't know. Sometimes a team, it's difficult to know because a team with a lot of the ball, if that means they're just going to sort of sit in and pass it around. I mean, Ross County didn't really pass it around as such, but they kind of sat in last week. And other than a, a sort of moment of individual creativity, we never really looked like we were going to cut through them. But I feel like Hebs will probably be there at home. They'll be a little bit more open than Ross County, where I would expect. So I think there will be more chances for us. And probably the only other bit is with Clarkson being suspended. Maybe that timing's not too bad, although he's a decent player. We were chatting last week, maybe it's time to give him a rest. He's, you know, the last couple of games, he's not been at his best. So maybe that enforced change might actually work out for us. What do you think, Is it time to unleash the Duke? I think it probably is. I, I expect he'll probably get with Polvara instead. Um, but we, like you say, we handling in Porteous. And I mean, Duke's his pace and his speed and his uh, his change of pace and that is, I, I don't think we've seen on him like it really at Pataudry, unless you can think of anybody else as uh, quicker off the mark. Um, so I think it could, yeah, he could look at that option, but. I'm not sure. I think you'll like getting we we Povara and then Duke will come on in the second half, depending on on what the score is. But I think there'll be goals. There'll be goals at both ends. Martin Boyle's sure to score, is he? It's as soon as the sun's going to come up in the morning. That's going to be a Martin Boyle goal. Let's be honest. Um, although the scene that it's, I'm I'm going to say this now, but I've never been that impressed with Martin Boyle. I, I was just going to totally come back and bite me in the arse now. Oh, well, then. Um, hat trick it is. <laughs> Everybody captain in, in your fantasy team. Yeah, absolutely. Here first. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't think of too many games where he's actually been particularly impressive against us. Um, we spoke about this last week, uh, last season, in the run up to the, you know, that must win run of three games that um, Glass had in October, uh-huh. um, and I think we started against Hebs, and the Hebs were going quite well at the time, and everyone was shitting themselves about Boyle, and he did nothing that afternoon. Um, but Hibs the the way they're playing seems really it's it's quite intriguing to me this idea that they're the most direct team in the league they're they're getting the ball moved through the lines really really quickly but they seem to be doing absolutely fuck all with it which is kind of interesting I don't know if this is because they're still struggling to bed in a whole bunch of new players I don't get it I don't know if you saw the highlights of the Kilmarnock game last week their um, new striker uh, is it Bojang I want to say his name is he came on for the last minute he got played through one on one with the goalkeeper and he basically like fluffs it. Like he's he's about 12 yards out. He just basically passes it straight into the keeper's arms. It's the worst attempt on goal I've seen in a long, long time. It's gonna be quite interesting to see what happens next week, to be honest with you. Um, I, I I can attend to suggest I can attend to agree with, with Manny here. I think that Goodwin might go a bit more pragmatic and try and pack the pack the midfield out and um and try and try and make it difficult for Hibs is where I would imagine it's gonna go. What is interesting though is set plays this season, we've looked horrendous at defending set pieces this season and Hibs are looking pretty strong on set pieces at the moment um, in terms of their hashtag data their second top in the league in terms of the goals you would expect for them to score from set plays is this an area that we really need to be concerned about next week I mean Porteous for all that we'll laugh about him he is a threat at, at set plays corner kicks free kicks as is Hanlon Hanlon has I think he's scored against us before for me, that's still the big the big area of concern, especially after what happened in Dingwall. Ryan Porches is just a threat full stop. <laughs> um, yeah, um, to, to coin a phrase that Graham Steele is kind of popularised now, uh, jokes aside, if I was Hibbs, I would be getting the ball right on top of our goalkeeper, Kel Roos, and really testing him out. And yeah, 
getting bodies in and around him to see what he's what he's made of. So it's a game where Kel's gonna have to stand up. Um and if it's not him, then the defenders, um, Stuart, Liam Scales, Ross McCrory, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, the kind of bigger lads in our team to take command of the situation and yeah, try and nullify them. But yeah, it's gonna be an interesting test, certainly. It's not something I would commonly associate with Hibbs set pieces though, I've got to say. It does imply that Lee Johnson's kind of going for a bit more of a how would you say percentage game than maybe other managers would go with? I think everybody that's playing us are probably looking at set pieces because that's it's like far we're, we're weakest. Um, you know, even if they're not traditionally that sort of style, I think. Uh, well, I mean, it was interesting. Goodwin he uh, took responsibility for was it the Motherwell? He, yes, he, he'd set them up in a particular way. So hopefully, hopefully they've been working on on that in the training pitch. Yeah, you know? yeah, the set pieces things really quite well it's actually really quite annoying because we were so soft last season that I never imagined I know it's early but I certainly thought Goodwin will be pretty prag- pragmatic pretty stuffy probably pretty boring but quite hard to beat and then some of the goals we've conceded have been glass-esque which is not something I expected to see uh, or wanted to see again so I think that's a good point um, you're probably right. It doesn't really matter if the team's renowned for being set-piece specialists or not. They're probably going to look at us seeing some of the goals we've shipped. A keeper who generally likes to stay on his line, which kind of means you can pin him in a little bit. And that does give me cause for concern, especially if the, you know, the game's probably going to be quite tight. So I think uh, set-pieces might actually become a little bit more important. And I don't know if we've actually been particularly great in terms of our set pieces, actually not defending, but actually what, if anything, have we done from set pieces? So I don't like, I don't feel this Aberdeen team is good at set pieces as in if we get one, I'm op- I'm optimistic we're going to create a chance. So it's not great if you think you might ship one, but you can't really use that to your advantage in terms of uh, if we get any set pieces. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I know he's had obviously a little bit of enforced time to work with them uh, on the training pitch, but sometimes it's just the way, like if the keeper's never going to come out, you're, you're not going to change that now at the stage yet he's at his career. So you need to find a way of protecting him or setting yourself up such that you can handle those situations a little bit better. But I don't really know how you do that in a relatively short period of time. I think to counter that, I would say that we have created options I can think of at corner kicks um, that have just not been converted. I can think of a number of instances where Anthony Stewart's had pretty free headers and we've suffered because his natural instinct is to head the ball away from goal <laughs> rather than into the net. So I think we could have more um, in the set-piece stats than we actually do have if some people had taken their chances. Um, and just to step back um, a little bit to Northfield's video and Martin Boyle and his shiny new hair, I would imagine the direct speed that he was playing with is because they're trying to get the ball in behind for Martin Boyle to chase down. Yeah. Traditionally, they play him on the right side. I suspect that's where we'll keep him. So if that's the case, it's going to be a big, big test for one Hayden Colson. We've not seen really challenge as such yet because most teams have attacked us down the Jaden Richardson side. You say that against, he played on the left side against Kilmarnock, which makes me think he'll play down the left against us as well. Because if I was Hibbs, I would be targeting Richardson every day of the week with Boyle. Ah, ah well, never mind what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you are right. They, they clearly saw something in the Kilmarnock setup that made them go with him on the on the left. And I would imagine they would do the same against us, to be honest with you, because that's the obvious place to be trying to to be trying to attack Aberdeen is down that 
our right hand side there's big big gaps down there if you can get Richardson exposed high up the park and with Boyle's pace he'll be one of the few players in the league I think who could burn past Richardson as well because Richardson's quick um, which I think will get him out of trouble in a lot of occasions this season but it's not going to work against Boyle and I I imagine Hibbs will be looking at the set pieces and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Boyle and whoever they decide to play on the other flank, whether it's Campbell, they kind of played Newell off on the right-hand side against Kilmarnock as well, which is a little bit odd. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually try and hug the wings, hug the touchlines a little bit and try to get effectively, try and get set pieces, try and get corner kicks, etc., and and try and punish us that way. It's going to make for some interesting viewing. It is going to make for some interesting viewing. So on that basis, let's... Uh, if it goes ahead. If it goes ahead, absolutely, if it goes ahead. Otherwise, we don't have any football till what? Middle of October? Start of October? It's kind of international break, isn't it, after this? It is international, so it would have been Hibs, and then that following weekend would have been internationals, and then I think, are we at home after that? I think we're at home to somebody, and then away at United, I think. That is correct. So we would be at home on the 1st to Killy, uh-huh. and then away to United on the 8th of October. The Derek McInnes-Starby, looking forward to it. Can't wait for the media and the run-up to that week. Um... Anyway, like, let's look at this one. Predictions then for Saturday in Leith if it goes ahead. I'll step up first and I'm going to say Aberdeen 2-1. Three set pieces just to make me look stupid. 4-3 uh, Aberdeen. Three all draw. I mean, clearly Martin Boyle's getting that hat-trick I just mentioned, uh, but we'll still have enough to... All of which will come down the left side. Um <laughs> And, but we will counteract that with a Boyan Mielski hat-trick and a Duke winner this time. Uh, I'm going to go Hibs 1, Aberdeen 2. Portia sent off after being nutmegged for the upteenth time by Duke. And Duke double for the Dons and a set-piece goal from, I don't know, fucking Joe Neal or something. I don't fucking know. Who knows? Who cares? Dons win. Ramp up the table. Pressure's on Lee Johnson. Emptied by the middle of the next week. And so... That wraps up this section of the ABZ. FP, join us after the break for our chat where we're going to look at our Don's Cult Hero 11. The ABZ Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia are celebrating Oktoberfest in style this year in association with the good folks at Fierce Beer and 700-year-old Bavarian brewery ABK on the 17th of September. Get your tickets via Skiddle for £20 per person which gets you a two-pint stein of ABK Hellas Lager, a Burst, and a giant pretzel. There are limited tables available for this inaugural event. Lederhosen are actively recommended, and lots of fresh beer will be provided. So welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to talking about our Cult Hero 11, we'd just like to give a shout out to Sean for his contribution to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. We see you. Your bread is much appreciated. If you'd like to help us keep fueled in our beers and coffees, head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. It is very much appreciated. But now... It's time for us to take a look at who we would consider for our cult hero 11. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. Now, I guess first things first, right? It's one of these concepts that's almost in a way kind of hard to pin down because what is 
a cult hero in footballing terms? Well, like a cult roughly is kind of like defined as being something that's embraced by a small section of, of definitely a minority of society. So I don't think it, can, it obviously can't be like a full blown like Dawn's legend, like Willie Miller, who I've seen mentioned. Yeah, exactly. that's just like straight out of the equation. Um, for my money, it's someone who is a little bit unique, a um, little bit of a maverick, um, someone that just embraces the club, maybe if that's from like out with. Aberdeen or Scotland all round. Um, yeah, someone who's just like a little bit, you know, not conventional. Like, I mean, Duke, for example, has cult hero written all over him for me. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been a lot of debate as to what a cult hero actually is in footballing terms. It's difficult to define. Like for me, it's someone who's got to be sort of likable on you. They've also got to have had the odd moments where you think, oh, there's, there's a real player in there or they've contributed to key moments in whether it's the history of the club or like big games that, you know, we have been to together or whatever. But there's also sort of smattered in there with a little bit of a the kind of comedic to an extent <laughs> in terms of going back to that starting point of how, how did he get to play for Aberdeen? And in some cases, how did they make a career out of it? Is That's kind of how I would define it. But I know it's not really, there's not a definition, is there? Because probably even the four of us here are all going to have a different view of what makes called hero. Manny, what's your thoughts? What makes a cult hero in your eyes? Something you tell me. But uh, aye, something along the lines of it, Graham and uh, and Gav have have said it's nay, it's nay Willie Miller or Alex McLeish. It's mere um, can somebody that is probably nay a household name, but have have given a lot to the club. Or you know, I think particularly folk that have run their their hearts out. So can so someone, for example, I was thinking of was like Steve Tosh. He was a Ken. The team he played in was Frank Rotten, but he, I was he, I'm hundred percent, and uh, he scored a few goals in that. So I think you know that's a example. Of, well, you boys might disagree, but <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I like that. Let's go through. We'll go. We'll go through it in a bit more detail because it's the thing, though. Because we threw it out to the kind of the the Twitterati, and every single response you got from from somebody about what made uh, Cult Hero was different. You know, and it's like that thing, like I used the example of like Leon Mike in my head, right? Because there's something that resonates about Leon Mike still to this day. Now, yes, he was utterly fucking pish as a footballer, don't get me wrong. But I still remember away days at Livingston, like 2002, 2003, 45 minutes of the Leon Mike song. Still to this day, the Leon Mike song gets brought out every now and again uh, on a away day in the pub or whatever. Slightly so there's something slightly different words though. Slightly different words, but there's something that resonated about Leon Mike, right? And then I just see people like, no, he was just pish, and that's all there is to it. And I'm like, but sometimes I think like a, a cult hero can always be somebody that they, even just amongst this really small group, just like us here on the call, there's like a wee in-joke about somebody. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something about that player that resonates for some bizarre reason, whether it's a good thing or sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, I think, yeah, someone who comes in and makes a pretty indelible mark, usually in quite a short space of time as well. Just, yeah, something about them. Yeah, I, I would make the general rule though that anyone, because any, I saw some shows like Gavio, it was like Miller, McLeish and like Doogie Bell and like Rukavi and stuff. And I'm like, anyone, any Aberdeen players involved in the two European trophies are not in the cult hero chat. They're just bona fide legends of the club and that's where they are and i know there's an argument about rugby in particular because of his antics where he used to go warm in front of the jungle and all that shit and warm like wind up like the the uh the support especially celtic supporters at, at parkhead but i'm like that nah, bona fide legend that's what they are these these guys do not fit 
in this category at all. So, I mean, <laughs> so we've got no real definition about what we're trying to do here, which sums up this week, basically, because this is totally scrambling around for hashtag content. Um, in terms of lineup, in terms of formation, we'll go through this position by position. That's the best way to do it. But do we go typical 4-4-2 for this? Or does a 4-3-3 offer up more opportunities to get cult heroes into the team? Because I tend to have in my head that cult heroes operate at the top end of the park more than the back. I've definitely got more ideas up top than I do in centre-back, for example. So yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I would probably agree with that. Your, I'll use the, the buzzwords or the cliches. Mavericks and or Enigmas are generally the more creative players, aren't they? It's not usually a six foot five central defender that everyone's like, well, he's a bit crazy. They usually think, well, he's a bit crazy and he'd knock you out, but not he's a bit crazy. <laughs> he's, try, he's trying to do these skills. So I think anywhere we can squeeze in some, uh, some hilarious attacking options, that's fine with me. Of course, when we think about like, you know, intimidating six foot plus nutters who might not care, we all automatically think about PC Tommy, right? Don't we? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That that's exactly it. So are we agreed, Manny, you on board? Is four three three floating your boat? I'm fine with four three three, aye. There we go. Right, come on then, let's go. Graham, when you say Enigma, are you trying to hint at a jet conclusion here? <laughs> no, he was just shite. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been in this category. This is the annoying thing had all the attributes to be in this category. I absolutely agree. But for everything that he didn't do and what he probably cost us, I just can't. It's like it's beyond funny now for me. So I can't have him in there. But I absolutely agree. Other people will dis will look at the, his exclusion and be like, well, how can you not have him? Which yeah, I guess I makes that, this really difficult. I thought a jet was... He was a bit like... Uh, Kind of soccer aid matches. There's there's a the celebrities in the fort. Kenny was like someone that was a player 15 years ago that came out of retirement to <clears throat> to take part in soccer aid with Ollie Murs and Fiverr, Bobby Williams. <laughs> uh, and you could tell, like, I oh, he must have been some player back in the day. But he was still a professional footballer for 30, what is he, 29, 30? 30, 31 when he was here? I, I think he's so. On, he's on uh, India now, I think. Yeah. Apparently the Aberdeen basketball league really misses him. <laughs> I think he spent more time on that. He spent more time, I think, on the basketball court, didn't he, than on the football pitch when he was here. Certainly, so. certainly made an impression there. Anyway, absolutely. Um, like, let's look at. Let's just start at the back. It's the obvious place to start. Goalkeeper. So, when I was thinking about this, I, I kind of just, I kind of got to the point where goalkeeper is almost the hardest place to find a cult hero for Aberdeen because you've got like Schnelders, Clark, Leighton, all bona fide legends, so they don't fit the criteria. And then I'm like, after that. It's just a lot of horse shit. Like <laughs> Nicky Walker, Jason Brown, that lad Gonzalez we got from Man City, mind him. Michael like, Watt. Michael Watt. I saw Derek Stilley was getting a bit chippy today about um unionist stuff. Not that guy. What a fucking dauber. Anyway, so I was really struggling with this one. Mind uh well, I had Joe Lewis doing but I don't okay. know if he qualifies on the basis that I feel sorry for him because he's lost his place in the team. He's a good loon. Uh, but he was kind of he was the best keeper in the league at least two seasons running, I reckon. Um so he can he could maybe I don't know if he qualifies for cult status, but a completely ridiculous Ian I was thinking of was uh mine Bertrand Bossu. Oh, oh yeah, Bertie <laughs> Bossu. <laughs> I think he, he came on against Rangers. I mean I can't mind who 
Well, the goalie would have been at the time, but uh, oh, I think Clangers was the keeper. Langfield, yeah, aye, possibly. Did he, aye. Get, he got flattened, didn't he? Did someone not take Langfield out? Aye, I think so. And then Bosu came on yeah. for the last twenty minutes or so, and he never looked. You'd never had any confidence in him, but he didn't concede a goal. I know. It was amazing. It was that moment. Every time a ball went in the box, you were just like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And somehow he kept a clean sheet, which was unbelievable. I mean, we talked we talked a lot about Bertie in the worst 11 Boss segment. Boss was in the worst yeah. 11, wasn't he? Which Aye. Bertie did make. Um, I can't do it justice, but Andy Murray said something particularly hilarious in describing Bertie. I can't go back and listen to it. Yeah, go back and listen um, to that one. So we've got Joe or Bertie. I like that. That's like probably two <laughs> ends of that spectrum right there. I mean, well, that's that's the issue, isn't it? Because you can go from one end to the other with this uh, with this chat. I mean, this has all been provoked by us talking about what a pish cult hero would be, in which case Bertie is absolutely the man. Um, I'm going to put forward Thomas Cherney. Oh. Because, and the reason I say that's because I would suggest, I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say here, but I would propose that in terms of popularity versus like minutes played on the pitch, because Thomas must have played maybe one or two games as a sub, maybe. And yet yeah. when he retired, so many well wishes, I so know. much love for the guy. And the, I think it was because first of all, he was a solid goalkeeper. We'd seen that plenty in his time um, at other clubs in Scotland. But also I think like, I think his Instagram played a part of it because he's not a typical like social media footballer, which will just be, you know, Stock photo from recent game. Great result for the lads. Fans were amazing. We go again next week. Or poor display. Sorry to the fans. We go again next week. It was like he properly embraced Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire. So, yeah, I'm going to put forward one Thomas Cherney, who, of course, still works for the club. I think that's a good shout. I think he's training to be a PE teacher. He is. I think I've seen that on his Insta. Uh, uh, but I think, was it Hibbs? I think Lewis got injured at yeah. Easter Road. Was that the game we came on? Lewis got injured at Easter Road, yeah. Was that Road, the last yeah. game of the season we won like through James Wilson? I, I think both of his appearances have come at Hibs, didn't they? I remember I remember the game you were talking about, yeah. Lewis getting injured and Cherney coming on. And it was one of the sort of the times where the whole fan base was like, oh, that's all right. Our sub goal is fine. Not panic stations. That's not been the case before that and necessarily after that. Fast forward about a year or so and then it's Gary Woods. <sighs> Tell you what, it's a good quiz question. Thomas Cherney's, and you know, I'm not going to give any notes away here, but Thomas Cherney played twice in competitive games for Aberdeen, and both of them were 2 1 wins at Hibernian. There you go. There you go. So, what you're saying is we need him for Saturday? Potentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you say that. I mean, Graham and I, he was part of the um, North Sound Cash for Kids game, and let me tell you, that guy has still got it. So. That's true, actually. Um, I don't think he quite understood the spirit of a charity penalty shootout because he was saving them all quite well. Yeah, he was not letting Dad and Mackie Jr. score a goal for anything. No, and he had... Was he on Richie Byrne's team? Uh, I think it was against Richie Byrne. Was he against Richie Byrne? I think it was the other keeper I was thinking of had Byrne chipping away at the whole time. The keeper was just like, no, Richie, just be quiet. But I've digressed slightly. Yeah, Charlie still looked like he could cut it. I quite like the idea of him actually as a cult hero because I was quite excited when we signed him. He was just a little lucky that Lewis was better than him. But Charney's been really pretty good and pretty solid anywhere else. So I quite like that idea. He doesn't quite fit with my the criteria I started out with. Like He's not really a joke figure and he's not one of these guys that you look at and think, oh, how did he make a career out of playing football? But there is something likeable about him. So I could definitely see Charney in the team. Who are you going for? Who's your pick? Can I put... 
put forward another thing. Or is this going to take too long? So, all the time in the world. There's so much content we need to pad. <laughs> Danny Ward. Danny Ward? Danny Ward? It's a good show. He was, he was there briefly. He was very popular. There were songs about yeah. him. Uh, it was, I think he was the main number one fan in the Ronnie Dealer season, was he? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He was in goal when we beat Celtic 2-1 at Pataudry and nine wins in a row. We actually started to believe for a minute there. Yeah. So that's that's another option. That's a fair shout because I can remember us being in Groningen for the European tie there and being in the in the fan zone or the fan square and a bar playing a whole lot of music until the event was that all we wanted to hear on repeat was the Johnny Hayes song, the Peter Pollitt song and the Danny Ward song. So he had a song for himself within couple of games which is pretty rare for a player that's a wrong that's a wrong spy gav danny ward wasn't at aberdeen when we played good on again same song as johnny was it not? So, no no he was the season after why do i remember as was that the season after yeah i think it was the season after it's definitely wasn't why Langfield, are we still, Langfield why are we still singing goals. his song i have no fucking idea but langfield was definitely goals and good on again yeah i'm also not sure that we were you might have been gav but i don't yeah. think we were that would explain the situation outside the hotel potentially um, well yeah i mean that's that's gary gary strachan's fault that one <laughs> that is absolutely true definitely well we'll move off of that one gav so graham where were you going because you actually no ward's a better shout because he contributed ward, like, i don't okay. think charlie didn't contribute but yeah ward because actually he was part of a team playing well and was responsible definitely for our our collecting a few points so he is probably a better shout than anyone I came up with two names for this one. Um, one, this one, it, it fits for me, but I, I, here we go. He played for over 30 clubs in his career, which lasted from 1969 to 1997. He joined Aberdeen in March 1994 at the age of 42 on a short-term deal because of injury problems. John Burridge, now, played in a 1-1 draw at Ibrox on his debut the same day he signed. Remained unbeaten as an Aberdeen player. He had four 1-1 draws in his career at Aberdeen. Now, the reason I had him as cult hero is because his, probably because of his career before he got to Aberdeen. Well-renowned for being a bit of a character. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, my second choice, though, would be Peter Kier. Similar sort of idea. Came in to cover an injury crisis, then decided he was going to stay for longer. Last Aberdeen player to go to a World Cup. Um well-respected, well-liked. Um, he was brilliant value for us on the pod when we interviewed him. Um, so Peter Kier was going to get my shout for this one. I don't want to sound disrespectful to John Burridge and his family, but for all I know, you've just made that story up. So <laughs> I can't... I can verify that. I can't, I can't include... It sounds a bit like, who's that pretty chunky lad that Hibs signed for the Cup oh, games? But the one the Scottish Cup with them. Uh, yeah. Logan... Uh, I think it's Logan now. Conrad yeah, Logan or something like that. Conrad Logan now. Uh, sounds a little bit of that kind of story. Um, <laughs> Peter Keir, this is the difficult thing because I just agreed with Danny. Where a minute I go, but I'm also, I'm also a bit like Keir was just a little bit too good to be cult hero, too popular almost. Um, yeah, I I'm not taking either of them. Uh, well, based on the um, based on the votes, it's 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 probably Danny Ward, I think, gets the nod here. I'm happy with that. That's a... Uh... Yeah, that was a good shout. Ward it is. Let's do that. Let's let's go off the goalkeepers. Right, there we go. Right, moving on then. It's 43. So uh, let's start with the defence on the right-hand side, right back. 
Well, I can see who a name that's written down here, and I'm just going to go ahead and go straight for it. Um, Shay Logan. That's what I hit in Um Again, a kind of a situation where he came in on loan, I think, to cover for Joe Shaughnessy, um, getting suspended in the in the league cup, perhaps. Uh, came in, th- thought he was only be here for a short spell, and a guy that just, with no affiliation to Scottish football or Aberdeen, came in and just immediately got it. And I just, uh, yeah, quite enjoyed him up until he left. Um, probably also the fact he was a pretty good, felt like he was a pretty good goal scorer. Like scored a lot of important goals for us. And of course, any player that does a backflip as a celebration is going to get brownie points with me. I, I agree with you. Gav, love the club. Badge kisser, but you believed it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was authentic. Yeah, he hung around long enough that it obviously did mean something to him because everyone's had players that, pitch up for a bit, do all that. And then the first side of interest down south, you know, you don't see them for dust. So he definitely did seem to enjoy it. And the fact that he's still hung around up here probably you know, shows he enjoyed the area. I, the one I had thought about was Michael Hart. I always really liked Michael Hart. Um, but I guess when you look at what Logan actually contributed to the club during his time, it's probably difficult to not have him in there, actually. And he was always quite good at winding people up, so... Extra bonus points for that. You going with Logan as well? I probably, yeah. As much as I did like Michael Hart, I probably can't not have Shea Logan because he he did contribute quite a lot. See, Michael Hart probably suffers here because he had like the personality of like an accountant or something. Well, that's offensive. That is offensive to you because you are said accountant. Um, but you know what I mean. Like he just was. I, there's a lot more razzmatazz with Logan, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Like Logan's there's there's a bit of something about Shea Logan. Whereas Michael Hart was a very dependable. Seven out of ten can I play every week? Um, Logan in there is, and I, I had for a minute. I briefly had Mark Perry in this purely because of the goal he scored against Celtic in that win in nineteen ninety eight. You know the volley from twenty five yards. We were wondering a what is he doing that for up the park, and two where has he pulled that one out of? Um, that, was a, that was a crazy game. I might be at that. It was brilliant. I think Celtic missed two penalties and scored two penalties. One yeah, the Reggie yeah. Blinker own goal. Aye. Just, you know, I mean, so, less Celtic. They decided, for whatever reason, that Henrik Larsson should only take the third penalty. Aye. <laughs> shoes. I'm sure two of them weren't penalties anyway. But The third one was one of them where you're just like, Will, I think Willie Young was an referee. Willie Young sure. was referee. Yeah. And everyone was just looking around a bit like, oh, okay, Willie. <laughs> just whatever you say. Yeah, uh, a, a right back guy had out of oh, left field, you might say. Uh, what? <laughs> Juan Cobian. Juan Cobian. Uh, uh, was that the guy that could cross like David Beckham? Uh, I think so. Was I, that I not the tagline that we got? I think that was his tagline. He's an Argentinian right back. He came for Sheffield Wednesday or something like that. Uh, uh, and he played maybe two or three games and then got a serious <laughs> injury. And I think that was his career over. But um, I think just hearing an Argentinian playing for the Dons in the late 90s was enough to get me excited. Well, talking about South American right backs. Actually, you know what? Let's leave that alone. Yeah, we'll we'll not go down that rabbit hole again. We'll be getting in trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, I like the shout of Kobian. Kobian is a good shout, isn't it? It's one I'd completely forgotten about. I think he played in that. Um, remember that League Cup quarterfinal against Rangers that night. I think I think that might be the game he got injured. Actually, I think it could be. I think you might uh, be right. Um, the game that Andy Dow scores the late winner. Uh, Andy Dow winner. Rashid Bellabed nearly got his head taken off by 
I want to say Barry Ferguson for playing keepy ups in front of him. Um, <laughs> I don't even think it was one nil at the time. Um, <laughs> it was Bella Bed all over that one. That brings up the question: that memory, are we doing? Uh, is Andy Dow going in defence or midfield? Uh, well, we'll come on to that. I think in a minute. Uh, we're going to come on to that next position. Actually, I think it's, it's Shea Logan, is it? Logan's Logan's a boy. I do like the show of Cobian, but yeah, I think Shea Logan gets it for me. All right. Logan is let's let's shift over to the other flank then left back. Um Andy Dow was my pick for this one. Because I wanted him in the team somehow and I felt he was gonna get lost, he was gonna get missed in the shuffle in the in the midfield. So I don't think he really ever played left back for Aberdeen. I have it in my head that Jamie McAllister took the left back slot all the time for Aberdeen. Dow played left back a few times. He, he did play over oh, yeah. I think he was not he was left footed, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel did he not start a left back and then he got moved up the pitch? When we were searching for goals, we put Andy Dow further up the park. <laughs> the natural solution right there. Um, Dan Smith? Nah, nah, not Dan, Dan Smith. Smitten off. Smitten off, I had to swell, or I had David Grassi, potentially. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Not him. David Grassi. Um, yeah, he's certainly one that's, he's from a time. I had no time at all for David Grassi, I would have to say. Not even for the face mask. I mean, he was pretty murder, to be fair. <laughs> he was horrendous. Although I do remember a night at Tynecastle when we went with a properly makeshift defence. I'm sure it was going from right to left. I'm sure it was must have been Derek Young, Gerald Eiffel, Charlie Mulgrew, David Grassi. And it was and it was the best performance of probably Mark McGee's time. We beat them 3-0 at Tynecastle. Fraser Fivey scored his first goal for Aberdeen. Everyone was pretty sensational that night. Was that Mackey with a delicious folly as well? Yeah, Mackie with the over-the-shoulder volley. Yeah. Derek Young scored a 40-yard free kick. And then you got a parking ticket at the end of it, Gary, just to round off a perfect evening. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, Gav, it was actually worse than that. Derek Young wasn't playing right back. Uh, Tricky Dicky Ricky Foster was playing right back. Oh, dear. So we had a back four of Foster, Eiffel, Mulgrew and Grassi. And I remember this because Diamond came back from injury that night. Um, he came off for Mulgrew and, and Santa Diamond got a fucking hero's welcome onto the park because it was like, well, there's at least a guy who's not Gerald Eiffel. It was post-peak Xander Diamond. That was not, <laughs> much, not much better, to be fair. No, no, absolutely not. Um, um, no one comes to mind really for this position, I've got to be honest. So I'll I'll open it to the, to the floor. I, I'm going to go with Andy Dow for me. It has to be. Um, I think if you're a certain age, i.e. us... Um, like Dow was a proper workman-esque journeyman footballer, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Came to Aberdeen, scored the first goal in Ebbsgovidal's tenure, the free kick against United, which was celebrated like we'd won the World Cup. But we still got beat 2-1, scored the opening goal in that ridiculous 6-5 game at Fir Park, um, scored that winner against Rangers in the League Cup quarterfinals last minute in the extra time, scored the winner in the Hibs in the Scottish Cup semi-final the same season. Not, contest. not particularly great, was he? But it's Andy Dow, surely. Yeah, and I guess if we're going 4-3-3, you couldn't really put him into a three in midfield. So I guess left back's the logical place. I'll tell you a story. I mind about Andy Dow. Uh, you might have been there yourself. I can't mind if I was against. But uh, the ball's going out for a, a Dawn's throw. And he caught it <laughs> before the bat went out. Hearts at Tight Castle. <laughs> Live on Sky Sports, and you're on your site. That's the 3D deal getting shafted again because. But that's that's a cult, uh, a cult uh, hero sort of thing to do, is it? Yeah. So. 
absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah, he provided the bright sparks during a season when we were absolute dug meat. So yeah. Aye. Only here for two seasons, three seasons tops, I think. He was kind of very here and then away again, it felt. It's Andy Dow for me. I, I had a curveball about Andy Constantine being in here. I, I had that doing it now. Um, more than a cult hero. Okay. Aye. Well, there we go. Graham. I, I was just thinking you need to put some trigger warnings at the start of this show because some of those names, Eiffel for, for one, are bringing back some suppressed memories um, that I don't really want resurfacing. Uh, no, Dow's fine. If um, I'm going to get outvoted, so that's absolutely fine. We'll go with that to move things along. Andy Dow it is then. And he goes in the defence. We, we are shout out for Colin Woodthorpe, but we'll move on. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. I actually thought for a minute as well about putting David Winnie in there at left back. <laughs> I kind of feel Winnie needs... For me, Winnie kind of had to go in here somewhere, but I've not been able to squeeze him in my 11. Um, purely because... And Manny will appreciate this because we're ages and we'll have this, we'll have been at Patoa at the same sort of time where Winnie was the first player I realised that could be shite. That, you know, Aberdeen could have a shite player. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he would still be in the starting 11. Yeah, like, he was the first one I realised that actually we could sign horse shit. He was probably actually the catalyst of a hand that went wrong. <laughs> Everything. It's, da- Just... it's David Winnie's fault. Sorry, Dave, if you're, if you're listening to this again. Um, anyway, right, centre half. Let's, let's go to centre halves. So... I'll, I'll throw it open to the floor so if someone wants to. You can put a duo in right now if you want. Or you can just go individually. Do what you want. Well, I've got a couple. Well, this is my comedy centre-back pairing, right? Tony Tony Kumbwari and Xander Diamond. Oh. Is that your two? Is that your pick? That's, that's, that's my suggestions, let's say. Okay. So Kumbwari, for a reason that, again, kind of like Jet, he had that sort of uh, soccer aid look about him. He'd, he'd been a player <laughs> many years ago. But yeah, he, he was actually, we weren't used to seeing centre-backs that were comfortable with a fit about their feet. And he yeah. actually was, you know, it was like, he was, it, was, yeah. it was weird to see. I mind we were away to Morton in, I think it was a Scottish Cup. I went extra time at 3-3 and we won 7-3 or something like that. We cup, that was his debut. Aye, that's right. And that, so that's a ridiculous story. Anyway, he scored a couple of goals. He, he was, he, he, it was never good. Let's be honest, but um, I mind getting a tour about um, Petaudry and going into Teddy Scott's room and speaking to Teddy Scott, and I asked him if I was the, the favourite, the, the sort of your favourite player that's ever came through Aberdeen, and he said it was Tony Kumbwari. No, not go. not for for his playing ability. I mean, as a as a person, as a gentleman, and I apparently he was he was a right fine man, and us. So that's one shout, Xander. Who we've already discussed, love that goal, sixteen goals I think. Uh, I was a heater, scored against Spartak Moscow in in that run in two thousand and eight. Uh, I mean that run, he he, I think he played probably most games, and it was I was absolutely hilarious when he did his bombing forward. Can as soon as he went past the halfway line, he just became like a, a baby antelope. His legs just went ah, uh, <laughs> and buckled him, but. I think, uh, was it Graham that mentioned that there's a comedy element to, to cult heroes as well. I think Xander Diamond seemed to have a comedy element to him. And a... Yeah, the, the charge out from the back, it, ha- it worked about once. <laughs> yeah. And then he just decided that was his signature manoeuvre. Um, 
I've, I've tried to think about certain backs and it's hard because the ones I want to put forward, I'm putting them forward because they were just pish, like, like Gerald. But, you know, like Gerald's left an indelible mark in my head that I will just frankly never erase, no matter how much whiskey I ever drink. Um, Vujadinovic, you know, that game against Cali when he comes on 2 0 up and he's brought in to shore up the defense. And the first thing he does is score a diving header into his own net. Um, a good header, though. It was a very good header. I think he, he went on to score a load of goals in Serbia or something like that. Outrageous. Outrageous stuff. Um, At the right end, I take it. I would. I was going to put forward um, one that's you know she's not the most popular amongst the entire support. So, John Ingles, Jingles, Zeus, Zeus. fuck me, Gav, Zeus, Jesus. What I mind about John Ingles is mine. Skovdal re-signed him. That's yes, exactly. I was thinking about after yeah. he after he'd been uh, for was he Bulgaria, Bulgaria, Bulgaria wasn't he? And, uh, and he got, <laughs> I mind the first goal. Um, not the first goal, the first game that he was back in the squad. He wasn't starting. He was doing his warm-up and now the fans were going, fuck off, John Ingles, <laughs> You're shite. <laughs> oh, man. John Ingles got fucking hell. But he had, uh, he was, his wife was like Miss Bulgaria or so, a newscaster or something like that. She was a babe anyway. Uh, so they were like the posh and Vic, so Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's not only much beyond it that I wouldn't be including just because I'm trying to be harsh on people that were not very good at playing football. So um, I'll, I'm happy to go with Kumbuari and I'm happy to go with Zander Diamond. Okay, okay. So, you, so you're you're mirroring that, Gab. You're you're happy with that. I've, Manny has convinced me. All right, I like it. Um, and I do guess like there was that when Zander was like at his like at his best, which was pretty early doors. I do enjoy like. I used to enjoy his like late slide tackles and he did play with a lot of blood and thunder. Um, so yeah, unfortunately he got a little bit older and a bit slower and that wasn't much use anymore. So, uh, love diving in for a tackle in the box though, didn't he? Like as a, as a forward, you just want to tempt him and he would always fucking take it every time. He had definitely learned tricks in the Phil Maguire school of defending. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think he played like hundreds of games after he left the Dons and I in like the lower leagues of England. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There was a time when, and Gary will attest to this, that we used to watch like the lower league English football highlights mainly for the purpose of finding out if Xander had done anything hilarious. <laughs> and quite often he had. Uh, he had, yeah. Uh, mainly that, that was a guarantee every week. Um, well, the good news is Tony Kumbuari is definitely going in because I had him. As my pick. So Kumbuari's in, unquestionably. Um, Kumbuari's one of those players I thought was like just fucking hilarious for all the wrong reasons because, like you say, he's he clearly a player at some point. Like, he arrived at Aberdeen it, like allegedly being 32, but he played like he was about 42, let's be honest. Um, he clearly loved the ball at his feet, but it was a bit like the, the hustle and bustle of Scottish football was just a bit, a bit much for, for Tony, I think. But he's in for me purely because it was just like a comedy period of time supporting Aberdeen, to be quite frank. Um, but because I've gone with the kind of comedy element for once and a half, I'm going to go with a series one for the other. Brian Irvin is my pick for the other defensive slot. Um, and there's an argument here to say that Brian is in the legend category, and he probably is, but I'm going to put... Uh, Brian Irvin's going to go in there for me because I think... Um, kind of signed, like, signed by Fergie, it was meant to be in as an understudy to Miller and McLeish, took a while to get going at Aberdeen 
And then once he got in there, you know, he's a, he's a self-confessed Aberdeen fan, um, scores the winner, the, the winning penalty in the in the 1990 Scottish Cup final. Loved the fucking goal, did Brian Irving. He had 40 goals for Aberdeen in under 400 games. So not bad for a centre-half. Critical goals in that run into the relegation playoff um, wins against the firm. And I remember a volley against Celtic at Pataudry, um, which was ridiculous. Good guy. Saved a penalty for Aberdeen at Easter Road after Tio Snell got sent off. Brian Irvin's my pick for the other for the other slot. So Brian Irvin was a goal scorer for the Dons. My first ever game, Aberdeen against Clydebank, 1987, I think. Uh, a one-all draw, and Irvin scored uh, the new boy as he was at the time, scored right. like a 86th minute toe poke winner for a corner or something like that. <laughs> so, but I, I I think he might be veering towards proper legend status for 1990 Scottish Cup winner now. That's where my thinking is as well. Um, curveball from the Ebby Scovidal era, Thomas Solberg. <sighs> Again, not, not, for not me. very good, but he had a chance. It's pretty funny. Was that you're my Solberg? I'm a Russo. <laughs> oh, man. Scovidal era was so grim, wasn't it? But like hilarious at the same time. I talk about this a lot with people. Was Is this an age thing as well? Like there's something about that point you'd be kind of like just turn like 18 or you'd be in like early 20s or something that kind of school of that kind of era where you were like for me that's what it's for me because I, t- I would have turned 18 in 2001 or so so it was like the first proper chance of like away days in the pubs all that kind of good stuff you know I think there's an element of that because I'm freedom isn't there I'm I, I was so 2001 I would have been 20 so I you know I was going out with pals and that and going to the pub and there's that. But I think also um, the Scovdal era was quite, it was exciting compared to if it had gone previously with like Alec Miller, Roy Aiken, which was, you know, even Willie Miller, um, it was kind of safe choices of Scottish managers that were going to play a Scottish style of football and generally sign Scottish players, which was probably the best thing to do. In retrospect, but um, but there was an excitement with Scovdog. It was a foreign manager, uh, and he brought in a lot of you know Bellabed, Zero Ali, Bisconti, all these. And you know we'd had foreign players before, um, but nay, as much as and you kind of get more excited. Oh, this boy's been playing the Premier League in Norway. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> right. dozens and dozens of trialists coming out. Uh, at a time. Oh, they came by the busloads, aye. Yeah, um, I think there was an element of, I think as Manny says, you know, there was the unknown, the excitement of bringing in a guy that was had been very successful at Bromby, and then it just turned into pretty much hilarious dog shite. It was, it was, <laughs> it felt, it was, it was almost funny. I don't know why, but it was just funny. It wasn't like, you know, peak McGee, peak Stephen Glass, where this, no, this is actually just shite. And I don't want it. I don't want to go anymore. It was, yeah, there was something different about it. That season became last in the league, got to both cup finals and the Scottish Cup final, Robbie Winters played in goals. And that's, that's hilarious. It's like the original banter years, isn't it? Aye. And we, like, we had good chance in that at the time and ah. Uh, yeah, this aye. is it. It's true. It's true. Um, oh. And you still get to this day to correct people about the whole relegation thing. So, exactly, uh, exactly. So, so Gavin, my sense, are you changing your mind on a player's inclusion here? You want to switch? Um, 
Nah, Solberg was pish. Yeah, I'll stick with them. Kumbari and Diamond, thank you. Kumbari and Diamond, man. Fucking hell. Um, Graham, you've not you've not made your choices yet. Kumbari's locked in. He's he's in. So Diamond was the first one that I thought of because he <laughs> he well he was a bit wild at this tackling, but it was also kind of exciting. You know, is he going to get it? Is he not going to get it? Oh shit, he's giving away a penalty. But he did kind of burst out at the scenes. And he, yeah, he was quite reliable. Um, so I quite liked him. I also have in my head that Noel Whelan put him in a wheelie bin on a night out once, which, if it's true, is kind of funny. Sounds <laughs> like a Noel Whelan thing to do. Yeah. So I'm quite happy with Sander Diamond being in our. <laughs> Sander uh, Diamond. Well, because your cult, it should be kind of funny. So we've all agreed that he was kind of funny, and then the Kumbari uh, Kumbari as well. You shouldn't be looking through that eleven going, "Oh, that's harsh," or "They were really good." You should look at that and go, "Yeah, that was quite funny." Let's never get back to that era again. I mean, mind you, can your cult hero be a guy that's been pictured with with a Celtic football club kick? I was about to bring this up. That is a massive can of worms, Gav, with current players and supporting of clubs. So let's not do that. In ten years' <laughs> time, does Ross McCrory make into the cult eleven? Who knows? Or Lewis Ferguson? Maybe not. After their Seville shenanigans. But Xander Diamond's in, so there we go. Um, I mind uh, when Xander was coming through. I think we were at uh, Dundee United, and the BBC commentator. I just mind him saying, "On um, what we've got coming up, uh, Aberdeen or Dundee United versus Aberdeen, and we've got the Scottish central can the future Scottish central defensive pairing up against each other, and Gary Kenneth and Xander Diamond." <laughs> okay, well, Kenneth got some caps, didn't he? That's yeah, the bit that's not funny actually is the fact that he got actual caps. It's incredible when you look back. Do you guys remember that chap that tried to make the case, I think, on Facebook that Gary Kenneth was a better player than Russell Anderson? Yeah, I remember this. And I had that that was enough internet for one day. Was that Gary Kenneth? <laughs> You've never seen <laughs> Craig Levine, never seen a guy get shut down so quickly. Ah, uh, Grim. Grim. Anyway. Midfield, this is where I think it does get interesting now when you come up the park, because I think midfield and up top are where you're going to find probably more arguments about this more than anything. So I'm going to kick off in the midfield. Now, unquestionably for me, this guy goes straight in. I don't even care what the other three of you say in this call. It's, it's happening. Lee Richardson, he was the quintessential cult hero. Um, you look up cult hero in the dictionary, Lee Richardson will be there humming an ACDC track to himself. Rico's in for me, unquestionable. I've got no argument with that. Because, like you say, he is a quintessential cult hero. Just even his haircut. Yeah. <laughs> also, we had him on the show. Great lad. Came up here um, as an outsider. And, yeah, he wasn't at all deferential to the way Scottish football worked and its conventions. And he just, yeah, kind of almost like stayed true to himself. And, yeah, was just an outstanding, good, outstandingly good footballer that uh, Scottish football wasn't ready for. What was the name of the band he had in Aberdeen? I remember he played in a band here, didn't he? Oh, that's gonna annoy me now. If you know, hit us up in the comments on the old Twitter. I'll find it, I'm sure. Anyway, Graham, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter anyway, does it? He's in, yeah, no objections from me, right? I'll I'll leave you guys to start arguing about the next inclusions and why try and find the name of the band. Okay, so we've got two. Two slots available. Two slots to go. Yeah. All right, Graham, what are you thinking? Well, there are a lot that fit my criteria of being kind of funny and not very good, which is a pretty sad state of affairs that 
we could probably reel off a whole load of players. But a one that I do like, and it's sort of from my my era, was that sort of first half season where Paul Sheen arrived, where basically everything he hit from all over the pitch sailed into the net. And it was just something, maybe like there was a guy that must have been pinching himself that he was playing football. He got to Aberdeen and that sort of period, I mean, we were going to away games and we get battered and then Paul Sheeran would just absolutely ping one in. I think he did it down at Livy. He did, From yes. quite far out, just absolutely rocketed one in. So I'll always have a bit of a, yeah, I'll always have memories of Sheeran. So I, I feel like he fits my criteria of a guy that kind of wasn't really good enough, but I've still got memories of. Yeah, there was that opening six months when literally, yeah, anything he hit with his left peg, and he was only hitting with his left peg because his right peg was for standing on. Uh, it felt like it went into the top corner. Um, I'm going to put forward, again, just because he left a mark on me. And yeah, he wasn't very good. And, you know, he, <laughs> I don't think he went on to do much more in the game after he left Aberdeen, but something about Rashid Belaber. I don't know what it was. I think just the sheer idea of a midfielder for Aberdeen doing overhead kicks in his own, is in his own half is enough for him to be in this place position for me. I had Rashid in and, uh, for exactly the same reasons. There was there was an excitement when he came on. I don't think he started many games. He was usually a sub. and uh, He had absolutely no idea what he was going to do. That was it. Aye, exactly. And he, I, I think he maybe only did it twice, but it felt like he did an overhead kick every single <laughs> game that he played. Again. Um, I think he, uh, he played, uh, I like to keep up with, with former Dons, you see. So, uh <laughs> The Luxembourg League. He's played for two or three teams there. Tidy, tidy. The Luxembourgish League. <laughs> uh, this is going to be Bella Beds, it, isn't it? Well, the other thing I had was Tosh for the kind of probably kind of, well, it was the same era as uh, Sheeran, wasn't it? Same yeah. at the same window, didn't he? And he was he was just a guy that gave absolutely a and scored a couple of good goals in an absolutely dreadful downside. A really bad, bad team. Um, I think also he was the kind of sole survivor um, when Jimmy Caldwell took over and he started that season. Yeah. Pretty well. I remember being upset when he actually left for Gretna in that January. He was in good form and then obviously the, the deal with Gretna came up. Also almost beheaded McCall at... Uh, oh, yeah. Would you call it? Tanner Dice. Remember if it wasn't sort of like that crossbar of the dugout. I can't remember, some, someone got fouled or he was kicking the ball out. We absolutely launched it. And then the Dundee United bench just got apoplectic. It was, quite it was funny. amazing. Um, but actually, it. he was quite... I know what you mean, Manny. He was um, sort of workman-like, but there was something there that in that team where I'm not so sure everyone was that fast, there was a guy who was definitely out to do his job week in, week out. There definitely was something likeable about him, so I can see why he would appear, and I wouldn't have any objections to him not getting there, but I'm not sure if he's going to make the cut. Because I, I did quite enjoy watching him, actually. One God Universe. That was the name of the band that Lee Richardson was in. There we go. Um, I see, I've got I've got names galore. It's a terrible name for a band. It's it's an awful name for a band, isn't it? It's really really bad. Um, Who was it? One God Universe. One God Universe. Yeah. I I think you can tell by that name what they sounded like. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Um, I've got names galore for the midfield area. Um, which again range from the kind of like sublime to the ridiculous. So Bellabed was on my list again because of the, the whole overhead kick thing. Um, is there an argument that Nigel Pepper's in here? <laughs> I don't think he is, but... There's, he's certainly a cult figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not There's a hilarity, the hilarity aspect. 
Like if Nigel Pepper goes in, Tommy Wright goes in. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> I heard there's a crack, like, a cracking song about Nigel Pepper. I heard. I've heard. I've heard this too. Uh, um, uh, another another <laughs> shout I had, which is probably on your list, actually. Uh, Bisconti. Bisco's in there uh, as well. Yeah, I like that. Again, a guy was here for a pretty short period of time, but made his mark. A home game against Berlin, though. He was nails. Yeah, her ho- home game against Berlin was unbelievable. I remember also against Celtic at home that game in the snow. Graham's first game actually, he was sensational. I played well that day. That's right. Yeah. Um, but then you've also got apparently trashed a flat on his way out of Aberdeen. <laughs> he did. He trashed the house on allegedly. His way out, so I don't think. No, I, I think that's a strong fact. <laughs> yeah, you're all right. You're fine with that one, Gav. That one doesn't doesn't need to hit the cutting room floor. I'm pretty certain. Um. Like Kiriakov, right? Once again, I mean, definitely a cult, is it definitely a cult, cult figure. figure. Yeah, everyone has a story. Everyone remembers him. Everyone we've like spoken to that played with Ilian has a story about him. Very popular loon uh, about uh, like with the staff and that at the club, and probably the other players and that. But the staff all loved him apparently. Tio Tenkat qualifies. Not sure if he's in the hero status again, though, but possibly cult figure. Um, Pro- probably not the most popular person in the Dave Cormack household either. <laughs> I doubt it after that little spat recently. Um, Andreas Meyer? Probably not. Don't really remember Andreas Meyer. On a serious level, like Marcus Heikinen. Ah, uh, well, he. Uh, I thought about him and I. Again, kind of in this category of came in under Steve Patterson. Who, um, let's be fair, didn't sign the greatest players we've ever seen, and he unearthed a bit of a gem in Marcus. Uh, two years he was at Aberdeen, just a, a standout player, wasn't he? Wasn't there a whole thing about uh, getting him a girlfriend? I had a mess. What was the story with that? Was that not? Did Patterson not come out in the paper and say like he's depressed because he can't get a shag or something? <laughs> it, it, it was along those lines, I think, which you know, like having spoken to Marcus, he's like a pretty quiet, reserved kind of guy, and it's like I'm sure he fucking loved that. Being, Plastered over the <laughs> the city uh, press. G- great player, can I get laid? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been Jimmy Calderwood that did that. By the way, you know that. I'm sure it was Patterson. I I think Calderwood came out after Patterson, did he? So yeah, I I think it might have been Calderwood who said this. I think. Um, never mind. Anyway, there we go. That's a Google search I'm not up for doing right now. Yeah, I'm not going to do that either. Where were we left with? I, I, that was my kind of bit. Like, I, I've got Paul Mason on the list as well as a midfielder for a cult hero status. But again, I'm wondering if he actually sits more in the legend category than than cult hero. This is where the lines get blurred and it becomes very difficult with these things. I think we've got a really good player in there, Enrico. I feel we owe it to ourselves to throw in two jokers now. Right, okay. So the joker, well, Bella bids so in. Bella bids anyway, in. Boys, Bella um, bids in. I see you've got Craig Hignett written down here as well. I loved Craig Hignett when he was here. For that two weeks, he was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> for those two weeks and that three quarters of a million pounds he pocketed <laughs> that was that game against Celtic with the 3-2 was it he scored was it yeah. one or two he scored the third goal that day oh I blinker him and Perry uh, yeah did he score on the first day of the season against Dundee as well I think he did it was him and yeah, Jess that scored the one of those one games where, oh, that time when you thought oh we might have something we might have put something together here and then before you know it he was away um, I'm I'm happy with Bella Bed being in here, and happy with is very strong. Gav, he'll be 
marshalling the defense with overhead kicks to <laughs> opposition number 10s. Um, and yeah, Ilian Kiriakov, how can it not be? <laughs> Kiriakov goes in for Gav, okay. Graham, Manny, I'll leave you with your... We've got one more to go in, so let's go. Let's see who's it going to be. Happy with Kiriakov. Oh, Kiriakov's in. Well, it fits with the whole sort of slightly comedic theme. <laughs> and anyone that we've spoken to always has... I say they have a story, it's usually the same one, which is he was paid to eat lunch. It seems to be the story. But still, um, does actually seem to be a genuine good egg from everyone, you know, that no one's got a bad word to say about him. So that's fine with me. Apart from the Achilles player fag, he spat in his face and got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Can't mind well, if was, but... I'll start again. No one we've spoken to connects with Aberdeen has got a bad word to say about him. <laughs> uh, I completely forgot about that. Oh, fucking hell. Brilliant. Um... I would have probably put Steve Tosh in there, actually. I think Tosh are probably completely defines the whole cult hero thing, but we've been outvoted. So it's a, a central midfield <laughs> of Lee Richardson, Rashid Belabed, <laughs> and Ilian Kriakov. I think Lee Richardson's departure from Aberdeen would have been hastened somewhat if he was playing alongside <laughs> those two every week. Which leaves us with the three up top, which, again, I think there's plenty of competition in here. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to throw it open to you guys again uh, to, to, to start on this one. It's Mackie for me, and I'm not accepting anything else. I think Mackie's a shout. There's a whole load of reasons. So Mackie epitomises the cult hero for me. He was a guy that, in my opinion, was never really up to much, but got to play for Aberdeen, which I'll never get to do. Made a career out of it. And then in terms of sort of moments that I've got as a fan, it was him that scored against Nisru Atachi, wasn't it, to get us through against Berlin? Uh, yeah, So was, yeah. I got my, got my first ever European trip, courtesy of Mackie. And then scoring against Dnipro um, and that sort of European run, if you like. So I can't really... So other bits. Of, I know there was obviously a lot of utter nonsense that went with the years of Darren Mackey, but I can't look past him as a cult hero. Um, so I'm not accepting anyone outvoting me on this. this. For this bit, it's not a democracy. This bit, Mackey's going in. <laughs> Score the decisive goal against Celtic on your very first game as well when we all wondered what Rab Douglas was doing. That's true. So my first ever... Um, yeah, that's true. So there, there actually there are quite a few reasons, and I think it's like Manny was saying. Sometimes the cult heroes maybe he did something that you were at a game with with your pals or whatever. You, you remember that it's like that in joke type thing. There's a group of you remember. I remember that game we were at, and this happened, and it was so and so that did it. Mackie's kind of like that for me because uh, I think he also then was it him we played was it Queens Park we had to play at Park <laughs> Thistle's ground in a cup, and he put his penalty into orbit in the shootout. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I've had some good things from him and some not so good things. But he's he's one of those guys that uh, I have sort of memories of for well, maybe maybe more hilarious reasons than not. I just remember being stood behind Darren Mackey in a Tesco, and he put a packet of Pop Tarts on the <laughs> counter, and then asked the girl behind the till if he could get twenty marble lights. That's my uh, abiding memory of Darren Mackie, to be quite honest with you. He was buying the fags for Kiriak. Right? <laughs> <laughs> with with Mackie, uh, you, you say he was not too much, and Kenny he was a limited player in, in some respects, but I mind when he moved to Arizona and someone put together a compilation of Darren Mackie's goals. <laughs> Best bits. And it's since been removed. I, I look for it still to this day. I can't find it. But... You would have thought you were looking at a world class player. Some of the goals he scored, like <laughs> yeah. honestly, I mind, I mind uh, 
Craig Brune when he was still a, <clears throat> a Dons player and he was getting some serious criticism and Brune's like, oh, well, I just don't agree with that at all. I mean, Darren Mackey scored something like 50 goals for Aberdeen. And we're like, aye, he's been there for 12 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had scored 50 goals for Aberdeen. But uh, it'd been uh, on a five-goal-a-season uh, average or something like that. But, um, but aye, I, I, I agree uh, with Graham. It's the embodiment, again, of the cult, cult hero. Um, I mean, some games you're getting, in, getting the boy behind me as soon as... Uh, the kickoff, Maki, you're shy. Just for no reason, really. Some folk just couldn't stand them. And you often get that with the local loons. Like Consonant get a bit of that. And I'm yeah, fairly. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Um, but uh, aye. So, like like you say, Graham, a lot of good memories. Dnipro, um, the Rab Douglas goal, uh, and a lot of comedy moments in that. As uh, Ebba Skovdal described in my mind, as uh, faster than a bag of cheetahs. <laughs> <laughs> not, he, a ba- he, not a bag he, of Cheetos. <laughs> no Cheetos. No, he hadn't seen Louis Duke, of course. <laughs> um, I didn't expect this to happen, but I think Graham's impassioned argument that he's put forward is actually convinced me here. Um, yeah, a, a guy that had certainly a lot of moments. And yet, some of them were good. Obviously, Neat Pro uh, had a habit of scoring against Rangers that I seem to recall. Like scoring and Celtic scored against Celtic quite a bit. Scored against Celtic in that quarter final replay at Parkhead. Yep, uh, scored I think the decisive goal against Rangers. I think was it the midweek game for the league um, between them and Celtic um, yeah. when yeah. Nacho Novo then got sent off for being yeah. Nacho Novo. Um, and yeah, just some hilarious things. I mean, the uh, his arrival reception at phoenix airport from the from the seven or eight from the seven or eight phoenix audience that had made the trip um the penalty he takes off in like what looks like lawsondale where the ball goes into the pond behind the goal sensational stuff um the goal off the back of his head well that's it as well i mean i I don't know how much credit you can really give it to him but that's one of the most iconic moments but the fact it happens to mackie makes it you know what I mean? Like it could happen to anyone. It's the uh, one and only time I've seen Aberdeen score a goal, and I've been sort of stood there thinking, "Does that count?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're overlooking me, Mackie, and that is the impact he had on uh, children's literacy in the local area. Well, <laughs> this is it as well. Yes, the number of books, number of Lord of the Rings books that guy sold off of the back of his endorsement. I mean, uh. Tolkien should be giving him a cut. <laughs> so, so Mackie's in. Mackie's in. We'll yeah, I'm happy. Mackie's in. Um, leaves two slots up top, um, so I'm kind of intrigued to just uh, to hear what the rest of you guys have got up here. I've got a few names in mind as well, but I'll, I'll go with I'll throw it again open to you, chaps. Well, I think I've got to put one in, um, and he kind of fits my criteria. Maybe someone came in from a short period of time, and you're maybe not including him, or you don't have the fondest memories for him playing his best football career when he was at Aberdeen. But a guy left a mark on the club, and the club left a mark on him. Certainly, Eugene Daddy. That's my like. That's my lock, right there. He's another epitome of cult hero, is he? A guy born in the Ivory Coast, spent most of his life in France, spent less than a year at Aberdeen, and you know the answer he gave to our final question still, still hits me in the feels. That's a guy that just got Aberdeen. So, yeah, he's my lock in. He's in for Gav Graham. Daddy was pretty cool. I was just trying to think on a slightly different tangent would be guys that sort of came in and did a decent job with Simon Church 
when Rooney was out injured and we were still, well, obviously we weren't chasing for the title, but we were still doing quite well in the league. And he came in and sort of kept the goals going when Rooney was out. So I quite liked him, but maybe not got the full adulation that a daddy has. It's kind of difficult to... <laughs> That's some sentence. Well, I thought Simon Church did a decent job, um, sort of came in, went, um, contributed a little bit to yeah. the team. But you know, you can't really have a cult heroes 11 and probably not have Eugene Daddy in it, can you? I also just... It reminds me of the um, time we went to Tannadice in... I want to say January, I think Graham drove down. Or was that... Actually, was that the day Robson drove down? I think that might have been. The day Robson drove down. The less said about that, the better. Does Stuart listen to this? Hopefully not. Right, I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll make cut this. Can you find out that, Graham? I'll cut this part if he does. <laughs> um, just the day that I thought was going to die. Um, and we met Gary's friend Raymond, of course, in the pub. And Raymond was a big Eugene Daddy fan. So he pitched up to the pub wearing his number 19E.Daddy. Just in case you were confused about another daddy he might have been might have been celebrating. Yeah, but this was like a good 10 years after daddy. Oh, this left. is like Mark McGee era, yes. Yeah, so it's like, I love this resonating of, of, of the daddy legacy. And, you know, the, the, the song still gets wheeled out every now and again as well. Um, I, th- I don't know what to do with this one. I have, I, I kind of, I, I do like the Eugene daddy shout, but I kind of, I, I think there might be other players who are up there as well. So I, I agree with daddy and, and Marky. Um Zero Alley, I think, is is the hallmarks. Uh, Sam Cosgrove, and uh, he was unstoppable for a period of time. It start he started off as a cult hero because he seemed so awful. <laughs> and the the Ballon d'Or song was sung before yeah. he'd ever scored because he was he looked useless again. And then he actually that amazing run he went on, and he was proper good in that. You know, obviously it was a he, he actually scored twice for Plymouth. He did off the yep. bench uh, last weekend. So Cosgrove, and then my ridiculous Ian, uh, or kind of like the mere comedic one, is uh, Fernando Pasquinelli. Oh, that's so, a shout and a half. Though. Oh, Pasquinelli. The only player. So I think did he score a hat trick, or maybe he scored twice against Kelly at Pitodri, Uh And he's the only player I'd ever seen Charlie Allen give ten out of ten in the Evening Express for that game. <laughs> <laughs> he was exceptional. He scored it. Park Heaton I'm sure he scored yeah. twice in that game against Killy. He charged one down. It was like the exact same goal as the one at Parkhead. That's right. When he yeah. charges Marshall yeah. down and gets the uh, I love I love that because he you know, he gets the ball and he like rolls into the net and then he gives it the big That's right. Yeah. Favorite celebration at Parkhead, <laughs> definitely. I like that shout. I was quite gutted when Pascanelli left, which was just out of the blue. Uh you know, he kinda of played more than a handful of games, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, he just, he was doing well and then it just seemed like he, I don't know, maybe just decided that Aberdeen wasn't for him or whatever, but yeah. I think he got injured, I think. Um, he played 10 games for Aberdeen total. I think he got injured. I have it in my head. He got injured against Dundee away or he something. Was def- he was just... definitely gone by January. Possibly. Um, my story about Pascanelli is the fact, I think it was the week after the the 3-2 game at Parkhead. I was in the old like, JJB Sports at Berry Den looking at football boots and Pascanelli was there too but he was raking about the bargain bin football boots and you know we were just like you can't be like having to do that like surely to fuck I mean come on you've just scored at Parkhead last week mate seriously that's my only abiding memory <laughs> of Fernando Pascanelli that's it 
Um, I like the Pascalelli shout, especially because we have <laughs> we have made contact with Pascalelli, um, and we're going to try and make that happen if we can. The only slight issue is I don't think he speaks any English at all, so um, that'll be an interesting audio-only interview. Um, we'll see how we make that all work. But uh, Pascalelli, does he fit the criteria? Well, for me, as I say, like Mackie, <clears throat> Daddy, their locks, uh, Zerowali, a quintessential maverick player that came in and yeah at a time when we were pretty pretty fucking garbage like he was maybe the one player that made you excited when he got in the ball because he just didn't know what yeah. quite was going to happen and he scored some absolutely sensational goals for Aberdeen so yeah I'm putting these I'm putting zero in because right. I feel again this is this probably colored slightly by age to an extent but I'm like looking at guys like probably like Dean Windass uh, absolutely yeah. Mixu Patalainen, you know, guys like that who, Villain van der Ark, guys who, you know, it's, it's that kind of late 80s, early 90s team, or Dino a little bit later than that, but something about these players as well. I mean, Mixu could have only been at Aberdeen for two seasons, tops, maybe three, max. Um, big impact lives here, more ways than one. Um, Villain van der Ark was a guy who was kind of like not particularly rated by a lot of Aberdeen players to begin with, and he scored a few goals in the run to the I want to say the League Cup in 89 but that might be completely hazy with that one but then kind of started to turn the support around on him a little bit Van der Ark um, really awkward looking kind of player just because of how fucking tall he was um, and then Dino was Dino wasn't he like uh, he's got the, uh, the hallmarks of a, a cult he'd probably he'd probably be voted in the same team at Hull City would he of course uh, he would yeah absolutely. probably a whole bunch of teams that he's played for yeah uh, yeah I mean, Dino almost feels like a kind of natural successor to the Lee Richardson thing, doesn't he, to an extent? Like, he, I think Dino kind of had the same approach here. He didn't really give too much of a shit about the kind of the notions about who are the biggest teams in Scotland and all this kind of stuff. He kind of just got on with it. And, you know, the three three red cards, or was it five red cards at Tanadice? I can never remember. I think Myth has it as five, but in reality, I think it was three. Yeah. That game was on the BBC. I mind watching it at him and just thinking... Because we got scudded 5-0 and he just absolutely lost it. That was that was Roy Aiken's last game, wasn't it? Aye. Yeah. I think so. I yeah. remember so, watching it at home as well. Windass is in for me. Gav, you've got zero in. Um, Manny, Graham, did you guys settle on a last pick? I was pretty adamant about Mackie. I know Mackie's in. Mackie and Daddy are in. Mackie and Daddy are done. They're locks. They're in. I'm leaning to Dino now that you've said it. I think anyone who can get himself sent off three times <laughs> probably fits the comedic value, doesn't he? So it's probably hard to look past some of that and did contribute a bit when he was here as well. And PC Tommy Wright hits the cutting room floor once again. Disappointing. Poor Tommy. Uh, there's got to be a manager, though, for these set of jokers, hasn't there? It's got to be Eb. Eb, yeah. It's Eb, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a Seb every time. There doesn't even need to be a discussion on that, does there? Let's be honest. Well, there we go. The scores in the doors. I'm, I'm not sure this team would be winning much in the way of uh, <laughs> league titles or anything, but in goals, Danny Ward. Good start. A pack four of Shea Logan, Tony Kumboari, Xander Diamond, <laughs> and Andy Dow at left back. <laughs> a midfield three of Lee Richardson, Rashid Belabed, and Ilian Kiriakov. <laughs> And a front three of Dean Windass, Darren Mackey, and Eugene Daddy. There's not a lot of mobility in that team. There's not really, is there? There's 
<laughs> you know, people do that post like after the discussion of the week about like when McGee was talking about how that team it got beaten 9 0 at Parkhead was like the worst team that had ever played for Aberdeen. And then people started being like, no, actually, mate, this was the worst team ever played. That team there would probably have not a bad shout out. I'm being slightly facetious with likes of Lee Richardson and that, and there it's definitely not going to be. But hey, there we go. That's what it is. That was um, that was entertaining, lads. I enjoyed. That was a nice little trip down memory lane. Um, I was thinking I would do subs, but let's be honest, it's Sunday night. It's ten to ten. I think we've done enough here. I think we've done enough here. We can probably wrap things up. Um, and and so that does wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember like, subscribe, or follow, or whatever you want to do on your podcast player of choice. Aberdeen Manny. Thank you for taking the time to join us this evening. Cheers for having me. It's been fun. You're welcome. And listen, uh, we hear you're up for an award. Aye, top dawn. <laughs> top dawn 2018. Nah, I'm only joking. It's uh, Scots Language Awards uh, Media Person of the Year. There we go. So we'll put the links into the description thing for how you can go and support Aberdeen Manny in this one. There's obviously the big, the big fight between yourself and Doric Dad. Serious beef. It's the Shire versus the City, Toonsers versus Chiefters, Ken. The ultimate battle. There's another two folk nominated in a... They could <laughs> <But> who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Anyway, listen, it's been a pleasure to have you, mate. Cheers. Been a pleasure being here. Thanks for joining us. And everyone, join us next week for episode 62, where we'll hopefully review our visit to the capital to face Hibs in the final game before the first international break of the season. Or otherwise, the three of us have to try and cobble together another set of nonsense like this. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.